When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fired up for this episode. Uh, before we get to our interviews, I got to start with my weekend, which uh, included my first ever UFC bout. I We've had so many of the fighters in here, and if you listened last week, we had Henry Cejudo and Jessica Ion. So I wanted to go, and, and really I just wanted to root for Jessica, to be honest, and um, she nearly died, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Alex Savis, who covers UFC for Fansided, is with us here as well, uh, and you, Ashley. Hi, Ash- Hi, Ashley. How are you? Hi, Mark. I'm good. So Saturday night, I walk in, heavy drinking at the UFC. Oh, yes. And the dress of the people that go, especially the women, I mean, right, Alex? Can I, can I get a verification, please? MMA fans are on another level. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. I mean, ex- extremely tight, extremely revealing, and just, I, I was like, what is going on here? Uh, and then the dudes, you, you know, were, I just was thought that I was going to get hurt. Um, so, but we get in there, and I'm excited. Uh, Cowboy was the first guy. What's his name? Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone. They play I'm a cowboy as he comes out. Uh, I sort of felt like I was, you know, maybe at a, at a, at a political rally for somebody who I wouldn't <laughs> vote for. Uh, I mean, that's what it sort of felt like to me. But, uh, but then he, I, like, Cowboy was just this, like, really likable guy. Is he likable? He is. He's extremely likable, especially amongst fans. I think um, he always kind of puts out the, his best uh, persona in interviews, so... Did you meet Cowboy, Ashley? I did. I did. I was doing a couple interviews this week. We got to meet all the fighters. Great group of people. I don't understand how they flip a switch off when you're interviewing them. They're personable. They're witty. They're like these really gentle souls. And then you see them in the octagon. Oh, my God. Right. It was my first fight as well. And I don't know about you, but it was hard to watch. Okay, so you, I didn't know that you were there Saturday night. The whole, I was, yeah. Okay, okay. I, didn't yeah. Know, I didn't know you were there Well, still. let me just call you out while we're on the air. I saw Alex and I. Alex and I... <laughs> We're backstage reporting, whatnot, and we saw that you were there on your Instagram story, and yeah. we replied to it, and you left us <laughs> on, on red. I don't Let even, it be known that we red? messaged you. It means you saw it, and you didn't reply. No, I... I mm-hmm. Hold on. Oh. Hold, okay. <laughs> let's, let us, let us <laughs> look at my... Let's, oh, here we go. I do have a reply. Mm. <laughs> Young Ashley replied. View reply. I haven't viewed it. Oh, there they are. Oh. I, I, honestly, I'm looking at it for the first time. I know it's you like believe me. It's like 48 hours too late. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you want to come and sit with us? Is that was, is, well, We was didn't it? know you were there. Okay. So. Okay. That's Okay. Uh, so, but I was okay. So I knew going into the Jessica I bout that she was a huge underdog, mm-hmm. and but I was just hoping that she would okay but survive. Backtrack to Cerrone because this dude was all over Twitter because his eye blew up. Right, I guess he blew his nose, right. which means that you puff out your eye once you've been hit. Is that right? Yeah, if your nose is broken and you blow your nose, you're basically forcing air into your. Uh... Okay. Yeah. He actually had a fractured orbital bone as well. He got transported to the hospital afterwards. I mean, it looked incredibly painful. I was thinking it was Rocky, like, cut me, Mick. That's what I was... Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, it was the one time in the night I felt a little, like, sick. 
I didn't like watching that. And I said to everyone in the workroom, I was like, did his eye just fall out of his face? <laughs> and no one answered. I thought everyone was going to be like, no, that's not possible. No, 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 no. It was just quiet. And no one really knew what was going on. Well, this reminds me about uh, fiance Chelsea, who I asked if she wanted to go to the UFC fight. I, and I was... I said, first of all, have you heard of UFC? She's like, yes, UFC, boom, boom, pow. And I'm like, okay, well, do you want to go? She's like, she was super excited. We get in there, first, like, light kick hits somebody in the shin. Chelsea's like, ah! That was me, but, like, I'm trying to be, like, a working professional. I was like, ooh. And someone's like, did you just say ow when they got hit? I was like, maybe. I'm like, I'm like you can't ow that. Like, it's, there's worse coming. There's going to be lots of blood and... But I said this to Alex. I was like, I almost can stomach like the pummeling and the punching because to me that's fighting. There's something degrading about like a leg kick and the slap that it makes. Loud. Yeah, it's a lot. It like verberates, and I don't. There's something about being kicked. I'm like, can you imagine being in a bar fight and going up <laughs> to someone and like kicking them in the shin? Like it just seems petty. Yeah, there. Uh, and just if you're used to watching boxing, it's like okay, so right. this is all that goes on, and that's legal. And what's next? And now they're on the ground. Mm-hmm. And Jessica was in the first round was on the ground forever. She gets through it, and her reaction was kind of like she's like looking around, like okay, I mean, I'm I'm all right. Uh, that wasn't that bad. Like I could hang with her. And then like 13 seconds into round two, <laughs> she gets a kick to the head and is. I mean, instantly out and on the ground. And she laid... Do we know how long specifically she laid there? Because it felt like 10 minutes. It did. It it was definitely a couple of minutes before she... I think people were reporting that she was at least breathing. And then they saw her speaking, but she didn't get up until a little bit while after that. So she wasn't breathing for a good portion of time. Yeah, until the ref had to run over. Like, you see his face. If you watch the replay, you can see the ref's face go, oh my gosh, like, this is insane. You can see the cage because you were in the arena. We were backstage. We could only see the broadcast. And, you know, it's never a good sign when the broadcast isn't showing the injured athlete. Right. So we're just, we haven't seen her. We see her hit the ground and for like five minutes, we're like desperately on Twitter or like DMing people that are out there. Like, what's going on? They're like, she's out cold. Yeah. And that was the most terrified it was the whole night. Because one, I thought that she was dead. And then two, there's people who are going nuts for Shevchenko. Yeah. So they're cheering and it's like, there's a dead person out there. Like, this is like, I, okay, I'm in Very the wrong place. Yeah, I'm in the wrong place. Like, I'm not, I can't, I was like, I was rooting for Jessica. I yeah. like Shevchenko. She seems fine and, and whatnot, but she's a very direct interview. Jessica was sharing about her journey and it's, it's a, if you want to go back, I'm not going to go through it now, but she was, she's had, she had a very rough journey to this point. So I was just, was feeling tender for her to win. Tender. And, well, I, well, tender <laughs> might not be there. I was rooting for her. Right. And, right. and now she's like, I'm like, and then I'm sitting there, please get up, please get up, mm-hmm. please get up. And it went on for a long time. And then finally she starts, you see the leg come up like, okay. And then she sits up, and I think she said, did you see yes. it? Yes. Did I get knocked out? Yeah, she had no idea where she was. She had no idea where mm-hmm. she was. Did, yes, you did. You get, you not, not only did you get knocked out, you nearly died. She went to the hospital for a potential brain injury, but she has released a statement saying that she is doing okay. So. And then it's like, that's your title shot, and that's... And I mean, you talk shit for, you know, yeah. four weeks, and here we go. Right. I mean, she, she, she had to know going in. Like, I, I said to, to fiancé Chelsea before, I'm like, that Jessica person right there, she's going to get smoked because yeah. I I asked uh, Cejudo when he was in here I'm like what do you think about that but he's like he's like eh. yeah like and nobody was giving yeah. like people anyone who had thoughts uh, were not giving her a chance so then I then I kind of felt like she, 
just because she was willing to take the fight, maybe they shouldn't have even allowed her in there because she was so outclassed. Is the that problem fair? is in the division, there's nobody else. I right. mean, we were looking at the very first fight on the card is the number one contender that's going to probably face Valentina next. And I don't, I don't see her getting a shot at all. So Her sister, what's her sister like? Antonina, she just started in the UFC. She only had two fights. She's one and one right now in the UFC. So okay. not, she's not there yet. Sister seems just to drop softer, yeah. just, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> was just, that, was, that was my, didn't even talk to her, there's Valentina, there's your sister. And yet they go, they spar against each other. Mm-hmm. They do the open workouts together, they've got this cute little routine down. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so then the nightcap was Cejudo, who mm-hmm. I thought he was super interesting. And that's it's on the podcast before this one. So now he won, so he's got the title belt in, in two categories. There's only four UFC fighters who have ever done, have ever done that, right? Simultaneously. Simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I thought that Cejudo was going to lose. I thought early in the fight it looked like he was outclassed, and then he just, it seemed like he figured out how he could possibly win and just leaned into it and did it. Yeah, That's my his, analysis. Whatever his camp said to him in the, in the, between the rounds, he came back as a whole different person. So, What was he like afterwards? At the presser, they yeah. had to wheel him in once because the leg kicks, he couldn't walk. Like, he was in a wheelchair when he came into the press conference. Pizza in his lap. Pizza in lap, <laughs> shouting, bend the knee to the champ. <laughs> You're telling me that afterwards, he can't walk. He couldn't walk, no. Could the other one walk? Could Marlon walk? Yeah, he, Marlon seemed fine. He had a black eye and he was yeah. fine. Oh, my God. Yeah. What an insane life. Anyway, so I, but to recap, I got in there. Chelsea was super excited. We watched the first five kicks. She's like, I can't do this. Can we go? And I'm like, we are not leaving. We just got here. You got to stick it out. But like part of me was like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And then by the end of it, now I, I would like to go back and see it again. But it was when, when Jessica went down, I, I, I felt sick all over. Yeah, I really like, did. I just, it's I, crazy to watch a body do that because you don't see that ever. Mm-hmm. You just, you're, you're, you've been I mean, sent her, to the afterlife. She hit the ground Hard. Hard. And she was out before she hit the ground. I don't think I could speak for like 60 seconds. Oh, it, it was, yeah. it was, it was something. From there, let us, uh, let's, let's get into uh, Frank Thomas and Mo Vaughn. A lot coming up on the market with Mark Harmon, continuing now with Frank and Mo. <laughs> It's the Big Hurt and the Hit Dog. I got to give a little history lesson here. They were both first round draft picks in 1989. People may forget that. Mo Vaughn coming out of Seton Hall and Frank Thomas out of Auburn. Frank, the two time MVP, 93 and 94, and then dethroned by Mo in 1995. How did this friendship start for you two? I, I, let, let's go back in time. Well, I'll be honest, it started in college. You know, we faced each other in the regionals. He was with Seton Hall, and I was with Auburn. And uh, just one of those things, man, that uh, this guy was a vicious hitter. And I, wa- I watched him right away and was like, who is this guy? Uh, he's, me for the, he's me for the left side. And uh, it, it evolved from there. You know, we ended up going to uh, play against each other in Cape Cod League. And our friendship became strong there. And then it became big time when we got to the big leagues. He was uh, – he was – I remember our first – Met him at Auburn. He was already polished. Already knew the strike zone. He had been playing in the SEC. Um, he was already ready. You know, I knew he was going to go up to up to the minor league chain quickly because he just had command at the plate much and far better than I did. So he, you know, I knew right then, you know, he was going to be successful. But I think the best thing about us is. We've we've never had an ego 
in terms of success. Our job was to beat each other when we played each other, and we and we tried to do that. But also, our job was to make sure that when we left that series, our conversations were to the success of us going forward after we left each other. And you know, the meeting was going to be the next time, and by the next time, we should have these numbers. You should be here. Your average should be up here. You should be doing certain things. And when we're in slumps, we always tell each other, yeah. you need to get going. What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah, it's, You know, we, we already had that type of affection for each other, which is a great friendship. Um, but I always wanted to see him do well, and he always wanted to yeah. see me do well, regardless. We knew we were going to beat one each other, you know, each other every now and then, but we, 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 we figured it out that, hey. Success was important for us both, just to push each other also. I'm just thinking about going back in time. You guys didn't have, have cell phones when you started playing, so would you, like, call each other at hotels, or would, or just would you talk when? Oh, we had cell phones. Come on, we now. we're not that old. What are you talking about? Ninety-one. Grab you by the head or something. They were a little bigger, but we had cell phones. I, yeah. I didn't get my first cell phone. I think to like ninety-eight. You guys came into MLB oh, well. like not. I, okay, maybe I was behind on the time. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Not the eighties and nineties. Not the eighties. <laughs> all right, I take it back. Hey, Mo, Mo, let me let me boast on Frank a little bit because I grew up in Chicago. No, and, no, I, I uh, right. He, you know, Frank Thomas, you can make an argument, maybe the greatest hitter in the history of the city on either side of town. Did you know that in his MVP years, he got 100 and then 95% of the first place votes? I mean, that's borderline. No, no one does that. Did you know that about Big Frank? No, I didn't know that myself. Listen, um, Frank might be, could arguably be the best right-handed hitter in the game. That's a lot of great That's ones. what I talk about in terms of average home runs, walks, you know, com- you know, completely just devastating. You know, uh, basically, when he decided to turn it on, he could. Not a lot of players can do that. Not a lot of players can get up and say, all right, today, this is what I'm doing today. And he was one, along with Barry Bonds and probably Ken Griffey Jr., that could wake up and say, all right, today I'm hitting two home runs. And going out and do it, but if you know, if it was ninety-five or one hundred percent, he deserved it. Should I? Mine was. I just made my mine. mine was a test between Albert Bell. You know, it was my my vote yeah. was close. But all three of us having great years. You, all, you, you, know, you know, everybody. You, you know, he, he 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 earned that. He was good. He was one of the best ever. Yeah. Griff got three votes. Frank and 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 Lofton got one in '94. Just so you know. Let me ask you a couple of baseball questions. If guys shifted on you both back in the day. The way they do today, would would you change your approach at the plate, or were you done the same thing? Oh, for me, it's a no-brainer. Of course, I probably hit 450 consistently because I'm not afraid to take a single. I didn't care about hitting home runs all the time. If they're gonna give me a whole side open, I'm gonna get a base hit almost every time. It's easy to hit a ground ball to the other side, and I I don't have an ego when it comes to getting a hit. Our bats stayed in the strike zone a long time. We were inside-out hitters, you know. We would have been taking the fastball away and, and hitting the breaking balls. That was our game anyway. He wouldn't have to change anything. He was he was doing that anyway. You know, it was, it was that was that was his power was right center. My power was left center. Um, shift. I, you know, I I looked at some videos of myself over the past. They shifted on us then. Yes, and we were still hitting the ball, so it, it wouldn't matter. Exactly. Do Do you think that MLB should implement a rule where the second baseman can't cross over, and same thing for the shortstop, or or would you just let the guys eventually evolve into what they're doing? I would say limit the shifts in a ball game. Put a number on it, maybe four or five. That's it for a ball game. That's all you need because you know there's there's certain guys in each lineup 
that are straight pool hitters. Those are the guys you want to shift on, but not every guy. It's so much data now. It's like every guy. You got guys sitting behind, you know, first base out in the outfield, and an outfielder behind him. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of data there. Yep. And uh, it gets boring for the fans to sit there and watch those alignments. I, I, do you guys like watching the game right now? That was, that was another question I wanted to ask you. I mean, right there, does it, does it make it more boring for you? All, you know, strikeouts, home runs. We don't, you got, I mean, Mo, you, you stole 11 bases one year. Frank, you had seven. You, obviously, you guys weren't base dealers, but there was more movement. I, I love the game because I love the game. You know, my, my son is seven years old. He has brought me back into the game. I just wish there were more coaching on professional hitting and how to drive in runs, how to hit for average and power. You know, gentlemen out there, you know, on all the 32 teams, it can be done. You can hit for average and power and benefit your team. You can keep staying inside the ball. You can keep your batting strikes on longer. You can go the other way. You can do all those things you, that you're doing that Frank Thomas was and still hit for an high average and, 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 and power and get it done. But you have to to practice it and want to do it. And I just wish on that front, on the offensive front, they would go back to that. In terms of the shift, listen, sometimes you're hitting the ball so hard and you're making outs. I think that's a problem. I think you go to the plate and you're Bryce Harper and you rip, you know, four balls in the hole and the guy's standing there or up the middle and he's standing there like, you know, it's a routine ground ball. I think that plays on your psyche and we need to do something about that. No doubt. And I feel the same way with that because I have a 10-year-old son, little Frank, and I'm pushing him hard right now to be something the next eight years because uh, I like to see him follow my footsteps. And, yes, I do love watching the game because I have to. It's a new era. It's a new game. Uh, you have to adapt. But uh, I'm definitely going to teach my little guy the right way. Do you want to see the universal DH, guys? Uh, I think it's time. I really think it's time. I mean, no one wants to see the pitchers get hurt at the plate anymore. Uh, some for some reason, nationally, I think it's cute to see the pitcher swing. It's not. It's really boring and not exciting to watch a hitter, uh, uh, pitcher hit. Should the PED guys be in the Hall of Fame? Frank, I know you don't think they should be. Uh, uh, Mo, what, what do you what do you say? Listen, we go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Put these guys in. Let's get past this. If you want to put an asterisk behind them, by them, or you want to put them in a different place to recognize, you know, what you think needs to be recognized, fine. But let's get past this. You know, one of my best friends in the game is Roger Clemens for a whole host of reasons. His numbers had him in the Hall of Fame before he decided to do whatever he did. Barry Bonds, 400, 400 home runs, 400 steals before, you know, he decided to, decided to do what he, what he did. Get these guys in the Hall of Fame. They're some of the best ever. Listen, we played against it. You know, Frank only went to five all-star star teams. Right. I only went to three. Mm -hmm. But we're facing the, you know, the Maguires and the Palmeros and the Will Clarks and the you know Cecil Fielders the and the Jim Tomies and but all that made us better. Mm -hmm. All that you know competition and we weren't looking for it. We were just strong guys that played the game. But I don't take any away from that. You, you still have to hit the ball. You still got to get through the ball. And, and it is what it is. Let's put these guys in and get past it. That's my opinion. And Frank's may differ. You know my opinion is. You know, if there's a shadow of a doubt that there should be an area, you know, for these guys because the numbers are so gaudy that it's hard to hold them out. And you really don't know at this point who was true and who was not true. Um, but that's like he said, if Bonds and Clemens is not in, I don't want to see anybody else in. I mean, it starts with those two guys. They got to get in first. And then you open up the conversation. How do we handle this thing? Fair enough. Let's wrap up. What, what can we do? 
if anything, to get more African-American players playing the game? For me, it's preaching longevity, uh, staying healthy, and uh, you know, playing baseball is great. You look at the numbers out there right now, that should encourage any young African-American kid to want to achieve those goals. Um, baseball, it, it was, you know, growing up, it was like the third sport for me because we all in the, in the ghetto play basketball and football. Uh, but when I got my sights on baseball, I enjoyed it. I, I hated people to say it was boring because it's not boring. You got to go out and experience it first. And I think the first thing you got to do is get these kids out there to experience it. I, uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I live in Florida and football is the first sport. But I think with this concussion protocol, we're going to see more of the Afro-American players playing just based on, you know, head injuries. And it's the, – the game is a great game. You, you get the fanfare when you're supposed to get it, when you're in the big leagues. You can't – you know, we can never comp- – our game can never compete with the NCAA tournament at that age. We can never compete with, you know, the football playoffs at that age. You only get the fanfare when you get to the show. But getting to the show, it's it's the best. Well, we saw the draft and, last night, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, still behind in the draft process. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not as exciting as the NFL draft or the, or the NBA draft. But we got to work on it. There's no and, shortcuts no matter right. what you do. Right. And no, baseball, there's 32 teams. So yes. there's no shortcuts. And there's, to me, there's a lot more opportunity. But you have to be willing to go in what they call the bushes and cut your teeth when it's hot, grueling, tough, tired, sweaty, and do the job. You get that reward at the end. Great to talk to you guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for a lot, us. bro. Thanks to the Big Herd and the Hit Dog, Frank Thomas Movon. It is soccer time. The World Cup going on. The greatest female soccer player of all time. Joining on the mark with Mark Carmen. Here is Mia Hamm. Two-time gold medalist, two-time FIFA Women's World Cup champion, three-time mom, Mia Hamm is working with Mallory Pugh as well, Mia, as you guys are going to be at the Rose Bowl, uh, filming a spot for the Sisters in Sweat campaign, which is a sweet initiative that helps uh, women stay in sports longer, girls specifically, to promote self-esteem, strength, and all the good stuff. Why, why was this something that you wanted to get involved in? I'm, I'm inspired by Mallory and her team and how they've inspired the next generation. And, um, you know, great Gatorade looked at this and they've always done an incredible job at keeping their rostered athlete part of the company. And they asked if I wanted to be a part of this, this spot. Um, you know, today is your day, almost kind of, I inspired one generation and now Mal has stepped in and she's inspiring this generation. It was a no-brainer for me to say yes. I was just, I was incredibly uh, grateful and humbled to be a part of it. How happy are you with the progress that you've seen since you really put uh, women's soccer, so to speak, on the map in a a big-time way? Yeah, you know, we we haven't been without our hurdles, and and I think um, this team and, and their approach to some of those hurdles has been unbelievable. You know, their approach to the equal pay issue, um, how they continue to inspire people with their play on the field and their understanding that, you know, this game um, will far outlive all of us and that it's our responsibility to make sure that 
um, the next group of players that, that wear the U.S. women's national team or play in the league have greater opportunities and are treated um, with respect and equality that, that we were striving for. Why do you think we haven't reached the point yet where the women's national team is paid the same as the men's? I think first and foremost, um, you know, we need more people that understand and, and support our game, more women involved at higher levels, the decision-making process that have either interact, interacted or played at the highest level and understand what it means to all of us to, to play. You know, good enough just can't be good enough, I think. You know, in, in your line of work, I don't think you ever say, oh, this will do. Um, you know, you, you have high levels of expectation and standards that you hold, and that's the way we should hold each other. And um, the equal pay and opportunity is no different. Ada Hegerberg, who, if people don't know, she's one of the best players in the world from Norway, she's sitting out the World Cup to protest unequal pay. And one of her quotes I thought that was interesting, Mia, quote, winning all these trophies and having all the success gives you a voice. It's not about me. It's never been about me. It's about getting the change for our sport. So I'm wondering, do you, do you think the U.S. should be taking the same stance? Each group needs to... I'm sure they've talked about how they wanted to approach this, and it's it's not fair for me to comment what what was grounded or rooted in their decision um, because I'm not in those meetings, and and I don't know um, Ada the the full discussions that happened with the Norwegian Federation. She obviously feels that this is that if if she doesn't stand up, then who will? You know, as a fan of the game, I'm. I'm disappointed I, I won't see her play this, this summer, mm-hmm. um, but I applaud her for her courage and, and how resolute she's been because it, it didn't just happen now. She's taken this stance uh, the past year and, and a bit. So, you know, each player and each group has to, has to decide how they want to approach it. I think also with our national team, we have a great opportunity um, – to compete and, and win this thing, which gives you even a greater audience to do what needs to be done. So I'm sure those players have looked at every option. Is Carlos Cordero, the president, uh, doing enough in your mind? I think we can always do better. Um, Carlos and I haven't had any recent conversations. You know, I know when he, when he first took over, he was trying to make sure we, we got the Men's World Cup here in North America. And I know since then um, he's been working hard on so many other levels. It, it, I mean, he's he's got a lot on his plate, but obviously this team um, and this dispute needs to be uh, first and foremost. So I hope in the near future um, that it's resolved. And, you know, Carlos is a smart man. I think he'll do the right thing. He, he has to do the right thing. This is this is bigger than him, and and this is about us just just making sure that our federation is tied to history in the right way. Why do you think historically the women have had more success than the men? There are so many reasons. Um, yeah. You know, I think one is you know soccer has been around in this country for a long time, but not at the levels and ingrained in our fabric like American football and basketball and baseball. So we had a late start, but 
compared to the rest of the world on the women's side, um, where it was seen as a traditional men's sport, that we were able to kind of um, get a head start, especially in development and organization and support. And we relied mostly on the collegiate game and Title IX. So um, that helped the development in terms of our club system. And I remember being part of ODP and how important that was. Mm -hmm. And I think that investment and, and that organization really, really kind of moved us forward faster than some of the other countries. But now what you've seen is all these federations are, are seeing that if they uh, invest just even a small amount onto their women's side and, and their youth development, the return is so great. And so what we're hoping is that they continue to increase that investment. As far as the women's chances here in the Cup, what do you like about their chances this year? They're deep. They're dynamic. Um, they have a great mix of, of young players um, like Mallory and um, some veteran players. I, I think they believe that they can do it. I mean, they, the talent is there. The preparation will be there. There's no doubt um, with this staff. You know, when you go into a tournament like this, your approach is to be, to be World Cup champions. You want to beat the best at their best. And that's how you train and prepare every single day. And I know these players are so excited for this opportunity. How are you handling getting your competitive spirit um, met daily here? Because I, I, you can't just get rid of that, Mia, right? I mean, are you? I, I slide people, slide tackle people at the grocery <laughs> store daily. <laughs> that, I think that's fair. I think you're allowed to yeah. do that. You're Mia Ham. Why not? Uh, yeah. And, and tell me about the movie you're involved in. I know Gatorade's a big part of this. Yeah, no, um, it's it's a new film with Mallory. You know, it's Today's Your Day. It taps into the iconic kind of Dr. Seuss poem, and it really demonstrates uh, the powerful impact that sports can have on young athletes' lives and um, kind of starts off with me and ends with Mallory, and there's a lot of really amazing um, scenes and and. It, it said in the, oh, the places you'll go, Dr. Seuss poem. And it's really meant to, um, you know, me inspiring one generation and Mallory and her teammates and in, in, inspiring today's young athletes. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a phenomenal message. I love it. Let, let me leave you with this. Cause I'm, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. Did he compete with you when you did that commercial back in the day in some way? I feel like there's no way he could just let you just kick balls past him. That's just not him, no, and it's not no, you. No. It was like we would shoot, and then we wouldn't talk to each other. <laughs> that, that, that seems to make sense. All right. Hey, Mia, appreciate the time. Congrats on all your success, and uh, right. I'm looking forward to the Thank movie. Thank you. Yep. I love Mia Hamm. Thanks to Mia for joining. That was awesome. And my favorite baseball player in Chicago is the shortstop for the Chicago White Sox. Tim Anderson is awesome on the field, and he's awesome off the field. And he joins On the Mark with yours truly, Mark Harmon, right now. All right, with my man Tim Anderson. A lot of attention around you all. I mean, you're doing national radio, you're doing local radio, you're doing White Sox Weekly. You liking this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
you know, just I think I'm just being realistic on what's going on and uh you know, just you know, trying to get my voice out there and get, you know, let the people put an image with it. So uh I'm okay with it. People starting, you know, get to know me a little bit. Did you think that uh if I start putting all this stuff out there that this is gonna come my way or is it sort of a surprise? Uh I mean, you know, I put out good stuff, you know, so I don't really put out bad stuff. So, uh, but uh, it, it swings the way it's gonna swing. So, uh, you know, man, I just do me and uh, you know stay within myself and uh, you know try to be be realistic and uh, you know that's what I just try to do. What, what did uh, being the player of the month for April mean to you? Uh, it was a confident builder. Uh, you know, I think it. You know, all the work that I've been doing kind of you know showed that month and. Uh, I'm just going to continue to get better and uh, keep growing. So, uh, you know, definitely was a was a great award to get. But, uh, you know, man, it didn't stop there. I got to keep going and, uh, you know, keep getting better. I talked to uh, your heading coach, Todd Steverson, about you, and, he's, and he mentioned to me, he's like, well, it's all about his walk-up song, uh, you know, Eat or Starve, Little Baby. So I want to hear you just talk about, like, why you picked that song. What does it mean to you? Uh, you know, I kind of felt like it was it was relatable, you know, to what I had going on or into my life. So uh, that's what I try to do. I try to be creative and, uh, you know, pick songs that's relatable and uh, that can really get me in that zone or, or, you know, lock that focus in when I'm in the box. And, uh, you know, that's why I pick those songs. Do you hear it? Like, what's it like for you, Stan? You're in the on-deck circle. Now, whatever happens, now you're up. Do you hear the song or are you just locked in? I wait on it to come on, man, so I can, you know, get in my get in my zone, you know, and feel those vibes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm singing it. So, uh, you know, that gets me going. That gets me ready. I come for the apartments. It was bad ramen noodles. This is a terrible rendition by me. Cup of water, all we had. It's like you're going to eat or you're going to starve. Yeah, you know, eat or starve. You know exactly what the lyrics say. You know, that's you know that's saying that you kind of came from nothing. And then, um, you know, that's how you know that's kind of how I feel. That's relatable to me. That's kind of you know how my life was. So, uh, yeah, man, it's just relatable music, and and and, and it kind of motivates me. How would you describe what it was like for you growing up? Uh, tough. It was tough, man. You know, everything ain't, you know, always been like this. So, uh, you know, man, we came came, came from the bottom. So uh, it was a tough road, but, uh, you know, I'm happy where I'm at. And I know uh, growing up, you're, you're, the first time you were meeting your dad, he's in prison. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you, how did you go about building a relationship there? Uh, man, my, my granddad did a good job of, you know, taking me to go and see him. And uh, my dad also did a great job of calling and, uh, you know, building that relationship. So, uh Man, it, it was great. It was great stuff. Uh, you know, relationship's still the same, and, uh, you know, he did the best that he could, and uh, kudos to him. But so you, you feel a real connection, though. I mean, that that's amazing. Yeah, that's my father, man. Yeah, that's that's my dad. So, uh, you know, we've got a great relationship, you know. Uh, it's been good. All right, so you, you've talked about sort of like a modern-day Jackie Robinson. I, I think baseball needs it. What, what's it mean to you? Uh, it means a lot. You know, but when I said that, I was, you know, saying it kind of jokingly, but uh, I think it kind of got took out as a main part. But, uh, you know, I was just saying that, you know, I kind of feel like Jackie Robinson, you know, trying to break the fun barrier. So, uh, but, yeah, man, you know, he's definitely a guy that motivates me to, you know, go out and play this game and definitely a guy that paved the way for me to, you know, be out there in between those lines. So, uh, you know, why not play like him? So what, what's it like for you? You know, there's there's 72 black players in baseball. You're you're the only one in this clubhouse. Um, but what's it like for you? You know, being in that spot. Oh, uh, it's great. It's great, man. You see what's going on, man. I'm I'm, I'm having a great year. You know, uh, you know, man. I'm I'm enjoying it, man. I'm, I'm I'm doing something different. You know, you check out my Instagram and my and my Twitter, man. I'm you know, I'm doing I'm bringing something different to the game that you know that people haven't seen before. So. Uh, I think, you know, I think it's all about bringing that swag and just having fun with it. What was the tweet this morning? Uh, it was some Meek Mill lyrics. Okay. 
what, what do you rank Meek on your on your list of say top five you're listening to? Man, he's up. He's a, he's in the top five, man. You know he 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 uh, you know he says relatable stuff. He says you know realistic things. So uh, you know it's definitely kind of relatable, and I get it. So let's go. Let's go back to the moment where Brad Keller comes at you. But why not? Why not run out at him? Uh, man, you know that we we handled that. We touched on that. We already took care of that. You know that's in the past. So we're gonna keep moving, and uh, you know, man, we're gonna keep rolling and keep having fun with it. And uh, you know, definitely if those opportunities come back around again, you know, we're gonna backflip again. A lot of people, you got a ton of support around the game from that. I mean, Trevor Bauer from the Indians, uh, Mark Stroman, all these guys were like, hey, as long as it's not at me, that you're just doing you and you're enjoying your moment then I, I feel like I do feel like there's a little bit of a change going on here yeah yeah definitely man like I said man bringing something to the game that you know when when you do stuff like that man you you're able to see it at your high level so you know that's the only way I can play man if I'm having fun like that and uh you know at that moment man, I, don't, I don't care about what people say I don't care about what you know other people got to say about what I'm doing or other players you know as long as my teammates okay with it I'm okay with it and uh they seem okay with it so we're gonna keep rolling and keep having fun and uh you know keep playing with a lot of a lot of passion so let's talk about where the team's at right now. Uh, but how are you looking at how you guys have done so far? Uh, we've been, you know, we've been playing good baseball. You know, uh, you're not going to win them all. Uh, there's going to be some tough nights, and uh, there's going to be some great nights. So uh, we just got to keep rolling, keep coming together as a team, and keep having fun. I think the rest take care of itself. Does it matter to you where you hit in the order? No, nah, man. You see, I'm all over the place. So, uh, you know, man, like I said, I just, you know, I come to the ballpark ready to play and, uh, you know, ready to compete. I want you to take us into the mind. You're, you're, you're donating 500 bucks for every steal. You get you get a knock, base hit. You're on first base. What's that process like? If I, when how you're deciding whether you're going, what you're not doing. Obviously, don't give anything away here. I know you won't, but uh, I'm just. As, do you feel it all over your body? This is the moment I'm going to go. I don't really. You know, I can't give you too much, but you know what goes in my head. My head is cha-ching. You know, you know, try to get that bag and uh, get those five hundred dollars. So, uh, you know, man, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an aggressive runner, and uh, just being able to pick my spots and. Uh, you know, being able to steal that bat. Do you know how fast the pitcher on the mound is to home plate? Do you have all that information? Yeah. Do you, is it more fun for you stealing a bag or hitting a bomb? Uh, both. <laughs> I like to steal a bag and hit a bomb. <laughs> I feel like stealing a bag might be more fun. If it was me, I mean, there's just like. It just depends on when you hit the bomb. You know, if you hit the bomb in, a, in the eighth or the ninth, then that comes with a bat flip. So more so you. Maybe you know hitting a bomb would be be the best option. <laughs> uh, let's let's uh, let's play forward for for one more minute here. What what uh, what's what are you looking at as far as uh, today coming forward? Like what what what's the one thing? I, are you focusing on anything right now? And I'm working, man. Just trying to get better each and every day. Uh, you know, just putting a lot into the game so I can get a lot out of it. So uh, I think you know, just learning and uh, you know, getting a feel for the game, man. And I think this is my my biggest year as far as you know, learning, learning about myself. Can you play? Do you guys need a little time off here every now and then? Can you go to Ricky and be like, "Hey, I probably could use to be off my feet." Like, would you ever do that? Nah, man, that ain't my job. Is to come play. So I, you know, I, I come to do my job. And uh, if I'm happen to not be in the lineup that day, then I get an off day. So, uh, but I come ready to play every day. Timmy, you're awesome. All right, thank you, man. Thanks again to Timmy, his teammate, joining the show now. Lucas Giolito, the best story on the mound in baseball. He had the worst ERA of any pitcher last year. And Lucas Giolito, he better have a room booked in Cleveland because he's headed to the All-Star game. Here is starting pitcher Lucas Giolito. 
right, Lucas Giolito, I'm going to start with a stat. Last year after the season, Lucas Giolito ranked dead last among qualified stars in ERA, FIP, and strikeouts to walk ratio. Those numbers flat out bother you. Yeah, I mean, they're not indicative of the pitcher I know I can be. That's the pitcher I was last year, but that, that was that. I closed the book on that, um, went back, turned the page. It's like, that's not me. So let's let's come out this year and, and start the way I know I can start and go from there. How long did you take off last year before you started working? Before I got in the gym, like four or five days, and then uh, introduced some of the new things, uh, some of the stuff to help with my throwing and all that. That was after about like a, a week or two. Yeah. And who are you listening to at that point? To the, okay, this is the plan. Yeah, I mean, started with started with getting with Coop and Hass at the end of the year, and going over the things that I did well, not very many, and the things that didn't go well. And it's like this is what we want to see uh, when you come back. All right, got that all down pat. And then when I went went back, uh, went with got back with my my trainer uh, Matt Uhara, um for all the weightlifting, conditioning, all that stuff. Got that. Uh, program we sat down and talked about it talked about the things that we'd been doing and the things i wanted to change so we put the emphasis more on the legs uh the back side of the legs especially uh and the and the connection of the hips with all that and then got with my pitching coach from high school ethan katz who i work with him every single off season a lot of i've seen a lot of people saying oh he got back with his pitching coach no i work with him every off season i want to make that clear but this was the first off season where i actually listened to a lot of the things he was trying to tell me and get me to do i was like you know what after the year i had last year i'm all years let's do it that's a level of maturity right there right i mean guys can have a bad year they still can be stubborn oh yeah yeah there, there's a lot of uh a lot of stubbornness in baseball. Um, I was that way for a while just because I thought that I was doing the right things, but after a couple of years of not seeing success with it, it was time to turn the page. Well, you're a smart guy, right? I mean, like you versus Dylan Cease Connect Four, who do you got? Uh, Cease, Cease, is a little, Cease is a little sneaky. You, you know, he's another high school guy like me, but uh, what I like about him is he, he's, he's always searching for knowledge. He's always asking questions. That's what I'm saying, because when I've talked to you and I've talked to him, it's like, well, these guys are you're, – you're, you're smart, you're a thinker. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, I think it's almost kind of hard to go away from. Like, oh, listen, I'm a smart guy. I could figure this out myself. Yeah. Um, I tried to do that for a while. It didn't work out. It's like, why not use the resources available to me? You know, we got Coop here, one of the best pitching coaches in the business. Um, you know, my relationship that I already had with Ethan Katz, um, who's working his way up uh, uh, in the professional ranks as a pitching coach. He's an assistant coordinator with the San Francisco Giants now. Why not use the resources available to me? Um, yeah, again, Matt Uhara, my trainer, he's got a mass, mass holds a master's degree in human movement. So why don't we get together and communicate and make and make things a little better? So uh, just just put it all together. That's also a skill, right? Putting a good team around you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that the the best players, they, you know, whether it be nutrition, fitness, uh, mechanics, like they always have the right people in their corner, and so that's that's uh, what I'm about having that good circle of trust. Are you having fun out there right now? Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, yeah, I finally able to do what I know I've, I've been capable of um, 
but you know the work is never done uh i there's still things i want to improve always well that's the thing you have a great outing and okay another one's coming in five days so if if you're a professional athlete driven to get to this level you're you don't you know it's not like you go to the beach after you after you get a win on one night you you, you got to get ready for the next one so then i that's, then i wonder if it's hard to enjoy it um, it, the process is fun to enjoy because, um, the, even on good ones, there all, there's certain pitches that I'll pick out and be like, Oh, I could have done that better, you know? And then it, it, it just continues the cycle of trying to get better every single day I come to the park. And I'm really buying into that this year. So my favorite Lucas Giolito moment this year was in the driving rainstorm. You got to throw strikes. You get through the fifth. You lock in if they, you don't play another victory. And you gave a huge fist pump walking off the mound. I'm like, and I, I loved it. I thought, like, that dude came out there to get through that inning, and, and you, you celebrated it. Yeah, that was that was pretty much it right there. I mean, I knew the rain was coming. We, we Everyone was keeping their eye on the radar. Uh, I was My thought process was let's get through this fifth as fast as possible. I mean, it was pissing rain, so like the, my hand was wet, the ball was getting wet. I was just trying to throw. I was just trying to throw it over the plate, go as fast as I could, hopefully get early contact. Ended up striking out the side, but um, kept the inning short and quick, and that was that. That was the game. We got music playing, so you're gonna get Giolito with some tunes here. This is the way it's working on White Sox Weekly today. When did you start to feel comfortable with the new delivery? Um, immediately. It, it happened naturally. It wasn't like a new delivery. It's I just I just fixed things about what I was doing wrong, pretty much. Yeah. So I mean, I saw pictures of you. You, you, you got the belt on. You, you yeah. I mean, the... yeah, yeah. The, the core velocity belt's a, a really a good tool that I like to use, um, just for my visualization. Uh, putting it on, it helps you feel what your legs are supposed to be doing when you're pitching. And so I just throw that thing on, do my drills. Uh, it's easy. It's easy work. It takes five, ten minutes, but it, for me, it's a lot of benefit. Favorite start of the year so far for you? The complete game shutout against Houston. Um, I've been, I've been, I've never pitched in a ninth inning before that in my entire career. Um, so that was a that was a cool moment for me for sure. And to do it against the Astros on the road. Yeah, I like pitching there though. I, I like indoor. I like pitching indoors. It's just stable temperature, stable lighting, um, air conditioned. Uh, it's, that's you know, it's a little weird for baseball, but I, I like it. Do you know how many games out of the wild card y'all are? No, I don't, I don't pay too much attention to that right now. The only thing I'm worried about is sweeping this series against the Indians and and getting to second. So you really don't know? No. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you because I feel like there's like some baseball superstition there. Yeah, but, just, yeah it's, it's a little early to be worrying too much about the wild card and all that. But we just want to we just want to get into the positive record territory and go from there. So you're sniffing it though right now. I mean, you're two games under. Yeah. Did, did did you expect to be here right now? Are you surprised? Like, oh, we're doing. You know, what would you say? Um, I'd say that I'd say our expectations were a little bit higher than where we're at right now. I'd say a, a few of these series we kind of let get away from us. Uh, obviously, the twin series when we got swept. Uh, I think we're too good of a team to get swept in any series. So I think uh, we learned a lot from that that last one, the twin series as a team. We're coming together, and um, yeah, it's just about communication and making the adjustments. And uh, yeah, I mean, it starts with the starting pitching. When our starting pitching is solid, the offense they take care of the rest. A couple more minutes with Lucas Giolito. I, I just want to go back to. You're in high school. You're you're already six six. 
you're throwing 100 miles an hour. I mean, how different is that guy when you think of, like, your mindset then, like, what you could be to, like, just imagine the whole journey to being sitting where you are right now, if that makes sense? Oh, when I was when I was that age, it was pitching was different. I mean, you're thrown to the radar gun. You're you know you're trying to get drafted high. That's pretty much how it is. So you're not worried. The similarity that I find now to then is not worrying about the batter in the box. Yes, uh, my my mindset now. I don't care who steps in the box. Like I when I'm pitching, I'm better than that guy. So. That's how it was in high school because I was throwing really hard and and guys just couldn't catch up to it a lot of the time. That's I've kind of I guess that's like the one thing I've taken from uh, that experience. I guess that's actually super helpful for now. So that's not to say that you don't pay attention to it, but you're like, okay, this dude, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna beat him that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm aware. I'm aware of who's hitting. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not out there like an idiot, but. Um, but at the same time, you have to have that confidence. If you want to go deep into games, if you want to get those quick innings, you have to have confidence, and you just have to let it continue to roll and roll and roll. Talk to me about the James McCann bonding. It seems like you guys have, I don't know, there's, there's something going on there. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's great. Um, you know, showed up, showed up in camp, uh, became a, uh, one of the team leaders immediately, which I think is pretty difficult to do. Um, you know, he was a Detroit Tigers entire career, but he showed up, prof- uh, professional attitude, um, great, great person, as well as baseball player. Obviously, what we've been seeing should be on the all-star team. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, our relationship has just been fantastic. Uh, I trust him back there. And I think that having trust in your catcher is the number one thing when you're a pitcher. And I have full trust in him. I don't think I shook, shook one pitch last start um, against KC, so kind of shows that a little bit he, he told me uh, on, on today's show that uh last year when when you were off he would know from over there uh yes. and, and and he talked to you about that i what was that conversation like and i mean that seems like a big big time move to get to, to not show the other team what you're doing that's huge yeah um yeah i mean i, I that's the thing it's, i talk about confidence so much that's pretty much it you know when when I would lose confidence, I would, it would show on my face, it would show in my body language, and you can't do that at this level. Guys are going to hunt, guys are going to see that and smell blood in the water. So now mentality's different, one pitch at a time. I don't care at all what happened uh, to the last guy, whether I struck him out on three pitches or gave up a grand slam. It is what it is. Um, I'm on to the next pitch until that game is over. I mean, it showed against the Royals. you got to give up a 3 on homer and then... I think you allowed one one base run the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't want to give a three run homer, but yeah, and that's the thing. Like, guy at this level, guys are going to get you sometimes. I thought I hung that change up when I looked at it on video. It was actually a pretty good one. But Alex Gordon, great hitter, he got it, put it out of the ballpark. Move on from that. It is what it is. So uh, that was that was it. That was the mentality. Um, you know, they got me, but now I'm going to go and get them as many times until I'm out of this game. You still talk with James Shields? Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, we'll, we'll chat. Uh, he was—I mean, he was huge for me last year. Mentor uh, on and off the field. Let's let's wrap up with uh, the, the longest tenured White Sox, Jose Abreu. What, what what does he mean to you? I mean, quiet guy in his corner, but yet, I mean, it's Jose Abreu, like m- sort of Mr. White Sox. Yeah, kind of like a rock for the team. Um, you know, even keeled. You know, you would you wouldn't know if he had a, a good day or a bad day. Uh, just that like calming presence in the clubhouse 
Um, but at the same time, he can bring a lot of energy. He's a big guy. We have a thing sometimes in the in the dugout pregame where we slap each other on the back, and I feel like my spine's going to break. Uh, but, yeah, to have a guy like that, I mean, you know, that's it's Jose Abreu, so what else can I say? He's awesome. You want to be the ace of the staff? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think there's a lot more work to be done before I can – you know, before I feel I deserve having that that title next to my name, um, you know, I've I've had a good month, but there's still so much more to do, so much more to learn, and I'm just looking forward to all of it. Lucas, congrats on the success. Thanks for taking time as always, and uh, we'll see you out there next time. Yeah, thank you very much. Get that room booked in Cleveland, Lucas Giolito. Congrats on a huge transformation, and thanks for joining on the mark. We wrap up with Ethan Blumenthal, who crashed a wedding and some NBA Finals conversation. Ethan Blumenthal on On the Mark. All right, let's bring in Ethan Blumenthal the week after, as uh, you did crash a wedding. I think more successfully than any person in the history of wedding crashing planet. I I agree. I obviously I don't I can't speak for everyone out there, but as far as I know, we were the best crashers of all time, ranked number one in the Guinness Book of World Records or whatever, whoever keeps that ranking. Have you felt any guilt this week? I mean, what's the reaction of your friends, family members? Does your mother know? What is the opposite of guilt? ecstasy ecstasy yes so i felt that thank you uh thank you for for adding that word uh yeah so i felt ecstasy it's been amazing every time i've told the story to anyone they just think i'm the coolest person ever so actually i want to bounce something off you right now because i i don't know if you've been watching the carm commute which is one of the great uh instagram slash twitter features going top top six yeah right you know i'm traveling i do something so i i was on my way to doing game four on Friday night, we'll get to the NBA Finals in a mm-hmm. second here. And I was bringing it over to Game Four. I had some popcorn, I had some mint chocolate chip ice cream. Love it. I had like a half a chicken breast, and I think that was it. <laughs> and so it's quite the combo. Yeah. So I get in the car. I'm hungry, and I'm thinking I haven't done a commute in a while. And I'm looking at this ice cream, and so I'm like, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna eat this ice cream, and I'm gonna do a commute. So I, you know, I had the little pint of ice cream. And I was, and I didn't have a spoon, so I was dipping my finger in the ice cream, eating the ice cream, talking to you about Game Four for a second. Mm-hmm. And then I'm getting tweets at me like this from at AC9000. Who I'm not sure is a real person, but probably is a real person. How about you do that from your? Uh, he's trying to say home. He writes, how how about you D that from hole or the office and stick to driving completely irresponsible? So I'm assuming he's saying, how about you do that from your home or the office, stick to driving completely irresponsible? So he's, he's looking out for the greater good. Right, like. right. And so I'm doing these things, and, and you know, I'm doing the car and commute, and friends and, and, and people that I don't know, like at AC9000, they're mad at me. See, I'm not getting the love that you're getting on your on your wedding crash, and I'm now and I'm starting to do. I have to reconsider that I need to be this responsible guy, or am I just a better athlete than everybody? And I'm very much capable of eating mint chocolate chip ice cream and driving responsibly because I think I am. You know, here's the thing. So first of all, obviously, as we discussed last week, you specifically said during my my wedding crashing story that you would have punted after after the cocktail or not gone to dessert. So that's the difference between you and I. So that's why I get all the love and you're not getting so much love. Yeah, I'm not. Now, in terms of safe driving, you know, I'm a big it's a big believer in safe driving, but I'm also a big believer in ice cream. 
And so ice cream, I don't think, has ever done anything bad to anyone ever. You know, besides, you know, obesity, maybe, whatever. But uh, but ice cream is the best. And so I don't think that anything that doesn't allow, allow you to have ice cream at any time you want to is, is I think that, that that can't be right. So and, I think you should be able to have ice cream and drive at the and, same time. And, and we've played tennis together. I mean, you, you've seen my incredible athletic oh, my ability. Goodness. The ability to do so many different things at once. Right. I mean, am I not capable of driving with my, my knees for, for 10 seconds? When Looking ahead, am, am I incapable? I, I think as long as your eyes are, are relatively, you know, looking ahead, I think I feel pretty good about I, that. I mean, relatively. I right. got to look. I sometimes look at the camera. Right. So I just, you know, come on, man. Let's get some confidence. Believe in, believe in the carm. Believe in the carm and the carm commute. Uh, so after that was over, though, by the way, I got to fan-sided, and we did the live stream, and I'm sitting there next to Jasmine Wimbish and Josh Wilson, mm-hmm. and I'm telling them, Raptors are winning the series in five. Right. And they're looking, that's crazy. You're That's a hot take. You know what you're talking about. I'm like, oh, okay, I've been watching the series. They've been better for every single minute except for the 118-0 run. The Warriors aren't healthy. It's over. And then they started out slow in the in the uh, first half, and they were on me. And then, of course, they pulled away and won Game Four. I I feel like people there's this guy that I don't know if anyone's been watching the finals, anyone who's listening, but there's this guy named Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, and he it turns out he's pretty excellent at the game of basketball. Very good. And I I love Kawhi. I mean, how do you feel about Kawhi? Because I I love everything about him from his game to everything that we now start to learn more and more about the ridiculousness of his personality. So I want to know what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. But now I'm starting to believe there's really not that much going on inside. I just think like we all are so focused that there's this big mystery. And I think the dude is just a robot. And he's all about this is what I got to do. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to eat, and I'm going to go to bed. Was that? I don't know if that was a good imitation. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. that's pretty good. Uh, but you know, Rachel Nichols is trying to get deep with him, and Serge Ibaka was. Uh, this is an incredible two-part piece that uh, they put out. He's eating bull penis. I mean, the guy literally sat down. It's been Ser- a while since I've had bull penis. I mean, so I, I can't I, speak to the taste or the the flavor, but yeah. I mean, I've never had bull penis, uh, but I watched this bull penis go down. I mean, it was this nasty-ass penis all over the plate. I mean, it was not the least bit appetizing at all. And Kawhi just got in there and ate that bull penis. And he was like, it's not that tender. It's not, it, it's not that tender. Well, I'm see, like, that's, that's the difference between, I guess, you know, the difference between us and Kawhi. He'll just go straight for it. He just, he just doesn't take no for an answer. He just does it. And I also will tell you that when I woke up this morning, I didn't think I was going to come here and talk bull penis with you. I mean— I'm glad that I am, but I didn't think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I guess anything's possible. But I mean, if somebody put bull penis in front of you, would you eat it for real? Do I need to? Do they know? I, I, what did it look like? I mean, did it look? It like... looked like a nasty ass bull penis. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean, it was like it was sort of maybe. It looked to me like an umbilicord slash like <laughs> bratwurst. It was just nasty, mm-hmm. and he just got in there. I don't even think he had any hot sauce. Did he, was it grilled? In the I don't oven? Know. I'm not you sure know. on the, pre- the preparation. <laughs> the, pre- the proper preparation. I mean, we can pull it up here, on, and, and I'll try to find it as you. Did. So I, I mean, I love so much about Kawhi besides the fact that he just you know put down a, a bull penis that, that he didn't even <laughs> like very much. Uh, but I think that Kawhi, one of my favorite things about him, I think he was the type of guy who, he like does suicides after practice but like not even so the coach will see him. Like after the coach is gone, like no one even knows he's doing it. He's just the guy that's there running suicides by himself, not for brownie points just because he's a robot and that's what he does. Yeah. Where's the bull penis? Bull penis. Here it is. Okay, he's about to, un- there it is. All right. 
Now, would you? It's very. I mean, look at that thing. It's enormous. Uh, it's a big. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess now I know what a bull penis looks like. Where do you get? Do you think they have that? Like Mariano's? Can you get that at your average butcher? I'm. I'm assuming not. But uh, you know, we could just call. Especially up, ordered. We call, call up Surge. We call up Surge and get that. I mean, look at that thing. It's a fucking. I mean, it's an enormous bull penis. It is an enormous bull penis. Right. I will also say for the fans at home, if you want to get a good little laugh for yourselves, go type in on Google Serge Ibaka in sweatpants. Just, I'm not gonna go any further than that, but just that good. Just, it's just it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a treat. Just oh. treat yourself. So, uh, what where do what do you, let's just talk about Kawhi a little bit more. Where, where's where's Kawhi going? What do you think? Where's he going? Um, well, I think you know, there's always the option that he quits basketball and goes plays plays baseball. You think uh, he, once he conquers <laughs> basketball, he's gonna have won a championship and an M- a Finals MVP on two different teams? Now, first of all, I don't want to. I just I said that I don't want to jinx the Raptors. It's still three to one. I know you said the series is over, but anything can happen. Kawhi's going. Kawhi's gonna go play baseball because he's already conquered. He's gonna have uh-huh. one with the Spurs, one with the Raptors, both conferences, two Finals MVPs. He's conquered the world. He's already a robot. He's so good and so he's so disciplined. They could just pick any other sport and conquer that. He'd go golfing. He's probably never picked up a golf club in his life. Would Kawhi be good at chemistry? Absolutely. He would, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we leave anything on the table with Kawhi? Have I missed anything? Um, no. I guess we'll we'll see him in a Cubs uniform next year. Though. Could that's, be a Cubs. That's, yeah. yeah, but if we're talking basketball, though, do you have any real thought about where Kawhi might go? Real thought? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I the whole country wants to, you know, marry Kawhi. There's a word. I don't see how you leave. You, they just took care of you in a way that that was just beautiful. And Toronto's a nice place. Toronto's an awesome place, but I, mean, I don't know. He wants to go to the West Coast. Wants to live that dream. Maybe he'll be a Clipper. I could see him being a Laker. I can, can we, see him. You know, can we Nick, not? Can you not be a Chicago Bull? Ain't gonna be a Bull. No. Yeah, it's not gonna be a Bull. No. That's. But bad. we got we got uh, Zach Levine. Yeah. He's doing workouts with his dad. You see that? He's, he's shooting layups. I saw that on the he, beach. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and we also got Michael Jordan. It was just twenty five years ago. Right. So. But that that was good enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, congrats again on the uh, on the crash and, and everybody giving you love. Yeah. I wish I was feeling that, uh, but I'm not. It's the way it is. There's always time for you, Mark. Th- that's right. Uh, Ethan, good to see you. Always a pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. Thanks to Frank Thomas, Mo Vaughn, Mia Hamm, Tim Anderson, Lucas Giolito, Ashley Young, Alex Savis, Hunter Armour. Love you too, buddy. And you for listening. Please subscribe, give a rating, tell a friend. Uh, let's, let's get this podcast moving. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the mark every Monday afternoon. That's when we put them out. Thanks again for listening. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.